0: And wear a mask all day today. like Let me. You know, I t- let me say something about wearing masks. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a weirdo anti-masker or anti-vaxxer, any of that shit. I'm, I'm a pretty cool dude, I think. However, I don't have to wear those things for very long. And I absolutely sympathize (laughs) with anybody who has to wear it for eight hours and is just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm vaccinated. Why do I have to fucking wear this shit? I don't think we
1: have to pretend like it's not horrible. It fucking sucks. So,
0: yeah, I'm not going to, I won't. um, How deeply do I want to go into this? I've just, I've, there's definitely a, like, um, a slice of our culture that, is like too positive about wearing masks oh 100 percent um yeah i had somebody i had somebody or i saw somebody with their like they brought their kid to something and person is totally fine nice person but like just it reminded me of people like this was like his child had a mask on and then like didn't want he like checked with everybody in the room before allowing his child to take his mask off, even though he wasn't wearing a mask. It was just this whole thing. No. And then he was just like, I don't, I don't even talk to people who, you know, don't wear a mask or whatever. And and it's just like,
1: okay, well, I see people like running outside with the mask on. And I'm like, that's maybe it's like warmer or something. Like I, maybe they have a reason, but like, I kind of doubt it. And I'm just like, why? There's no I, one around you, and you're outdoors.
0: Yeah. Now, look. Let me just also say that, like, there are deaf. There's a lot of like anxiety and fear and stuff floating around that, uh, t- you know, if it's I think masks for a lot of people have also become like safety blankets. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to automatically assume that you're virtue signaling just because you're running with a mask on. However, mm-hmm. it's it, it's somewhere in the back of my brain. I'm wondering,
2: what are you trying to tell me, dude? Well, and I well like. I know mm-hmm. there's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I know there's so much so much bad information out there, but I I don't sure. know what they're reading where they're saying that like you're going to get COVID outside. Like I haven't seen like for no. a yeah. year and a half, almost two years now. No, everybody says yeah. If you're outside, you're almost certainly fine. Like the, unless the first, maybe it was wild close. in
1: Portland because pretty much nobody wears a mask outside. Yeah. Here, Mm-mm. but in Portland, like. I felt like, am I a pariah because I'm not walking down the sidewalk wearing a mask? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were so many people wearing masks, compared to here yeah. anyway.
0: For sure. There definitely are. I, I never do, unless I, like, forget that it's on. Um, I never do outside. And, like, yeah, I think it's it's at least almost common knowledge at this point that you have, like, less of a percent of a chance to get right. COVID from being outside. Well, Basically, unless somebody comes and sneezes in your face.
2: Yeah. And there's like studies at this point on the effectiveness of masks. And it's like, they're slightly effective. Like it's, it's better than nothing, especially when you're in like a very high risk Mm -hmm. situation. It's like, if you're outside, if you're running, you're not going to get any sort of prolonged exposure. Uh, So yeah, the outside stuff (laughs) confuses me. The people driving around,
0: like with,
1: with their, their mask their
2: on and wind-
1: their windows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I me. I always think like maybe they're an Uber driver and they're like on their way to get someone sure. or something Let's, and yeah, they just haven't yeah. thought about it. Yeah, but like fair. yeah, I I've seen that and I'm like, what in the fuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I feel like I would I was- be so stressed out by being an Uber driver right now like especially like imagine like getting a a ride and then realizing that you it's someone you have to take to the hospital or something (laughs) you know just like that (laughs) would stress me out so much Mm -hmm.
2: just blood and snot leaking out (laughs) Uh, uh, but but, yeah anyway gig economy right guys that's right dude Mm -hmm. all right um okay shall we begin Good evening, lady archers and dandies, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're continuing Kit's opera and nether region... Opera and Nether Regions triple feature with 1993's The Age of Innocence, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Winona Ryder, and directed by Martin the Marvel Slayer Scorsese. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How are y'all doing tonight? Good. Good.
3: Good. Good.
2: I'm a little sleepy, but I'm
0: good. Yeah. I, um, I've had a cough for a few days, and uh, I feel like 98%, like totally normal, except yeah. my throat hurts. And I had a headache two days ago, but I did take a test just because and it was it was negative, you know, because people still do get just coughs and shit. but People forget that. Um, (laughs) I know. So anyway, for all our listeners, I just want you all to know I do
2: not have COVID. Yeah. The odds of you catching COVID from our podcast are it's it's very small. So don't worry. Only like 85 percent. Yeah, it's very low. Mm -hmm.
1: It's a little bit like in Wonder Woman 1984 with the satellite stuff
0: jesus christ like i don't remember on, it can, that it, movie where well it
1: can get on you through the airwaves yeah but what it's very that? unlikely i know it didn't make any fucking <laughs> sense it was well, such bullshit
2: yeah and it was only like a year ago we all watched that and talked about it and i yeah. don't really speaking, remember anything
0: i've really speaking of wonder woman 1984 uh i've really enjoyed watching the list of projects Patty Jenkins is associated with, like, just get smaller and smaller and smaller. Just like, she's like, her Star Wars movie got delayed, which probably, which is like the beginning of it getting canceled or, you know, given to another director, which is very funny because when they announced it, they did this big production because she was, you know, the hottest director because she hadn't released the pile of shit that's Wonder Woman 1984 yet. (laughs) And uh, so I remember they had she's like on like an airstrip and there's like X wings behind her and shit. And she's like wearing one of the helmets. Anyway, it's this Mm
3: -hmm. big thing. But it's like
1: anyone can anyone withstand the factory, you know, because she, she did figure out the first Wonder Woman is like you know somehow navigating the shit factory of dc to come out with something that until the last like half hour yeah is pretty fun and good yeah. yeah
2: i like the first one yeah for and sure
0: and then
1: the next one is just like so bad what the f- what the hell happened and it's yeah. like i don't really blame her just like i don't blame a lot of those indie people that disney or the wb scoop up and then no. you know i mean destroy. i see
0: i see what you're saying but she did write the fucking script so
1: that's true and that's the worst part
0: and the you know the movie hinges on rape so uh yeah it doesn't work um I was, but wait. yeah
2: oh because of the uh yeah the guy he takes over his body or something
1: yeah well, there's that there's a couple of rapes
2: yeah okay. we got this yeah it's a big it's a big rape movie um <laughs>
0: Yeah, but anyway, that's that's gotten delayed, and then she just got um, she left. There's like a couple of Cleopatra movies coming out, and she she's she's left that to go focus on Wonder Woman three. That's like you know what the that's
1: Cleopatra fine. cinematic universe.
2: I know, right? That's what we need.
1: Yeah,
2: coming at you. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Kit, tell us a little bit about, a bit about while oh boy. Tell us a little bit about you, why you chose Age of Innocence.
1: <laughs> um, well, to me, to me, this movie goes along well with uh, um, Dangerous Liaisons mm-hmm. in that it is a period of peace about, um, you know, arguably a much more oppressive society than we see in Dangerous Liaisons. But one that is, you know, also sort of corrupt and pretty awful while also being extremely beautiful and wealthy and um you know producing great art and everything um and but mainly because opera I think features very prominently in both as this as like a center of that society and a place where um these dramas uh social dramas unfold um and they also have that uh as as we said last week we are in christmas time for us and it has that very warm and cozy uh christmasy vibe from like a production design sense yeah um even so, though it's you know the feelings are all very icy and sad
2: <laughs> yeah do you think like because i also feel like these movies are Christmassy in that way, but it's like, Mm -hmm. why do period pieces have so much winter in them? Like there's so many, like, like little women actually Mm -hmm. has a lot of Christmas, but like, yeah, why like dangerous liaisons and this, and there's, I feel like there's more winter in period pieces than you would. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I
0: feel like they're, I feel like they usually live in England where it's either cold and rainy or snowy. Yeah, well, I
1: think the the effects of the weather were also more severe in that time because, like,
2: yeah, of you can't technology just, like, and clothing and when it's snowing, yeah, yeah, like it,
1: like it actually changed your life. So it's more just more noticeable than it does now. Piece. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe because
2: yeah, I, like I never would have been like, oh, you watch. I guess we talked about that last week too, where it's like you watch them. In the ward season, you watch them in the winter. It's like mm-hmm. they all feel very, if not Christmassy, at least wintry to me. But anyhow,
1: mm-hmm. all right. I mean, well. they don't always because I like. I think like the the '90s Emma does. It has Christmas scenes and stuff, and it feels very Christmassy. But the new Emma, even though I think it also has Christmas scenes, feels very springtimey to okay. me. So I think there's also something about like the '90s aesthetic and cinematography that's a lot of like warm you know look looking stuff yeah um makes it feel that way too
2: yeah that makes sense because like all those movies
1: like a little princess secret garden like even titanic to an extent like all of these movies somehow feel yeah Christmassy or appropriate for christmas time
3: well
2: uh andrew what did you think about uh i guess we i had not seen the film andrew had you seen the film no, I had not okay, seen so it. Okay, so only Kit had seen it. So uh, what yeah. was your impression?
1: This is my favorite Scorsese movie. Okay. That I've seen.
2: Well, yeah, do you want to go with your thoughts first or?
1: No, I'll just say I'll just say and That's why you picked I it. I mean, I really like The Aviator too, but um I wish he would make more movies like this. <laughs> yeah. Fewer gangster movies, more movies like this cuz I in some ways I also think this this is my favorite of his movies. I also sort of think it's the best of his movies that oh, I've boy. seen. Um, All right, go ahead, Andrew.
0: I thought this was a good movie. It was also infuriating to the point where I don't know that I actually liked it. Um, <laughs> there were cool things to look at. I had some very cool creative flourishes. Um, I loved just like there'd be a dinner scene and then it would just kind of move time by... Cutting to like inserts of like mm-hmm. somebody cutting a you know, and the food actually looked very good. Um, it was very pretty. The set deck is incredible. Um, I kind of fucking hate everybody in it though, except mm-hmm. that's not true. I like May because she's smarter than anybody gives her credit mm-hmm. for, and and I think Ellen is interesting. Kind of fucking hate Wayland. I kind of think he's an idiot. He had Newland. he had a real way out, and like everybody, like he 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 had the opportunity to do the thing that he wanted, and he chose not to. I I don't know, and I think it's just like dudes talking a big ga- like everybody's talking a big game about like the two of them, Ellen and and Waylon are kind of you know not not Newland. caring about what society thinks of them, but then they also I don't know, it's just and it's so far outside <laughs> of my ability to relate to this because i think this whole like societal structure is just trash um it's pretty but i want to like i want to burn it to the ground (laughs) and free all these people um (laughs) so just like watching watching this play out and unsure as to like the characters are really well drawn and i'm able to like you know speculate about who they are in a way that's outside of that's not outside of you know um the director's intent, I think. And and that's cool. Like I when I'm watching it, I feel like there's, you know, real thought and craft going on here. Um, but it's just fucking irritating. Um and maybe that's to the maybe that's a point for the movie, you know, because maybe that because that's maybe that's entirely um what is intended. But like I don't think it's romantic really. I don't think um I don't think him Marrying May and then and then and then you know pl- trying to plunge headfirst into an affair is romantic. Mm-hmm. I don't think them choosing not to be together is or him choosing not to be with her. I don't know. I don't. I don't think any of that's romantic. I don't think him sitting on that bench at the end and looking up at her window is romantic. Uh, I think it's stupid. Um, but again, I think this movie's probably pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're. N- I think you're not alone. I think a lot of people are really pissed that they don't end up together. Oh, um, I'm not. I'm not
0: pissed. That I know a, that they. But don't end not up romantic. Okay. 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 Yeah.
1: For, or don't see why. Don't see why he doesn't just go up and be with her. Um, I feel I understand, but I also, for the record, like, Martin Scorsese describes this as his as the most violent film he ever made. <laughs> um, yeah. I. I think this movie is romantic in the sense that it is nostalgic and has people yearning for each other and yearning for a version of the past that didn't really exist and all that stuff. I don't think that <laughs> the relationship between Newland and uh the Countess is romantic necessarily. I mean, it is romantic almost by definition, but it's not like I don't aspire to it. Um And I think that you're right that there is something it's why to maybe to our eyes may sort of becomes the most compelling character is because he underestimated her her so much. And. To me. He he is pathetic in a certain sense. But Mm -hmm. I think that the movie knows that and that there's a moment where he even realizes that, um, that he didn't go, he didn't escape all this because he didn't want to. He convinced himself he was doing it for his wife, but that's not to protect her innocence, but she was never innocent. So he, she knew the whole time. So. He's stayed there because that's what he was comfortable with. And in the end, he doesn't go up to her because the idea of her is the only thing he actually cares about. Not, they don't really know anything about each. Other. I mean, it's a mutual fantasy, I think between the two of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I actually, that's a good point. so like, let's see, not to stray too far from that point. Cause I want to end up on that no, point, go ahead. but like just my general response to the film, um, Gorgeous, like one of the prettiest films Mm -hmm. of its era. Like, uh, I can't think of anything else that came out around 1993 that looked half as good as this. He's obviously pulling from our faves, uh, Powell and Pressburger. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I mean, we know that because Scorsese is probably how I heard of Powell and Pressburger. But right. um, But yeah, like in the flower shop and everything. So and I mean, just like the sets, the costumes, the cast, like everything is just gorgeous in this movie. Mm -hmm. So two and a half hours of watching this, I was totally content I was happy with that um just looking at it but I would like Andrew was talking about frustrated by a lot of the same things story-wise but like um the and this feels weird because obviously I think we all like Scorsese and we all like uh Thelma uh, Sch- Schoonmaker or Schoonmaker mm-hmm. whatever Schoonmaker um I felt like the editing made me it hard for me to get into this movie like I think they were I I don't know, but maybe they were trying to make it a more quicker, uh, a more quickly paced period piece than we're used to, which I I guess because they spend so much money on sets or whatever costumes. I feel like most period pieces have a very kind of like calm, like pace to them. Mm -hmm. And this I found it interesting, but I found it distracting that I felt like it moved at a pretty quick clip, Mm -hmm. um, which is is good if you don't want to be bored by the movie. But it was also like. Um, yeah, it just felt odd because
0: um, there are moments where it's like there's a scene with Newland and Ellen, and then they leave each other, and then we come back to another scene with them. It's right, so it's uh, like I feel like that
2: happens. I, no, you're probably right. I don't know. Yeah, but I, don't I mean, know. it's
0: just it's 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 just like it it kind of makes it feel like all these people do is go into a room with each other, walk out of it and then come right back in. Right. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was so like, there was some stuff like that and then just generally like cuts. And I think like I was, as I was thinking about it before the episode, like is part of it. Like I just wanted to keep looking at all this stuff. Cause it was so nice. Like you kind of just mm-hmm. want to like, mm-hmm. like luxuriate in it. Uh, right. But then yes, there was a lot where it's like, they would kind of cut between stuff. Um, and it wasn't bad. Like, I think that there was intention behind it. I just think for me, in terms of what I wanted this movie to be, it was jarring. Um, and then, what about the, the, what about but, the dissolves? Uh, you mean like kind of at the end when it would go to like like a bright color? No, no, just color like or...
0: in in the middle of the movie. Like there's one scene where the camera's tilting up. It's like it's like somebody cutting a cigar or something. Mm-hmm. And then, then the camera mm-hmm. starts to tilt up, and rather than just show the entire tilt, yeah. it just cross dissolves between the like the the beginning of the mm-hmm. tilt and the end of the tilt and i couldn't you know normally you would do that to like pass time but yeah. there's dialogue mm-hmm. happening during that so it's like i don't really know what that means other than that you wanted to cut the shot shorter yeah. without i
1: doing a jump cut i mean who knows it could yeah. be it could be you know compensating for something but i think one of the things one of the reasons i like this movie is because it's presenting in the, a, a what seems to be a conventional subject. It's an adaptation of a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Um, it's a period piece. It's got you know huge the most famous actors and prestigious actors of the day in it. But it's to it's very experimental in like oh for sure true Scorsese fashion. There's a lot of weird shit mm-hmm. that happens. There's like you say the Powell and Press. It it is it is very Powell and Pressburger esque where. You can see the the filmmaking. there's a lot of there's a ton of unmotivated camera moves. um it's It's very unconventional even as it's presenting this material that we would expect to be presented in the most like conventional way possible. And to me, the overall impression that I get from the movie is that we are seeing things as Newland Archer remembers them. Okay. um, like, so when weird shifts like to me there's one there's one part at the very end where that becomes extremely well there's a few parts where we see what a fantasy of what's happening in his head then at the end we see him you know what the film the sort of quote-unquote reality the film is presenting collapses with his memory and he starts sort of almost we can see the work of him trying to conjure this image of her standing um on the pier Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: but I there's a sense in which I think the whole movie kind of is that. Um, that it's his memories and feelings about all this uh-huh. as opposed to, you know... I mean, I'm pretty sure there are those unmotivated camera moves where we, the camera drifts away from following him. But we he's really our point of view character. Like, we don't see things that he doesn't see. Um... So to me, so some of those weird dissolves and things like that, I attribute to the way he's experiencing things. And, you know, he, when you say, like, it, did he do all these people did was go into rooms with each other. And I'm like, maybe that is all they did. That was of any significance to them, you know?
2: Yeah. Hmm. Well, so kind of.
3: the second I don't know. Half- I don't know.
0: If, well, hang on a sec, because I yeah. don't know if I I don't know. It's weird because I'm not sure I totally agree that we're. Com- like we're really in his point of view for the entire movie because I think there's so many shots of things of just details mm-hmm. that feel mm-hmm. more like they're
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know they're showing the 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 pretty the yeah the you know the the, the pretty and set the novel decoration.
1: definitely has like an omniscient narrator
0: but then also and like that it,
1: and you could argue that that's what we're seeing in those moments is like the narrator's okay. point of view
0: well yeah, and because also it doesn't it the way kind of you know the the servants are you know presented in this movie, you don't get like very much acknowledgement of their existence even in all those like close ups of like food being prepared. Mm-hmm. it's just hands, it's really tight like mm-hmm. we don't see some you know. It's the Some stuff. kid in a in yeah. a in a powdered wig chopping meat for somebody.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know. And then also, it just kind of feels like anytime time, like there are moments where, you know, the main characters are interacting with a uh, with a servant or something, and their their voices are always very hushed. Like we don't. There's no. There's no like semblance of character for any of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so to focus that uh, all this to say, to focus on something they're doing when they're not really treated as characters in the movie, mm-hmm. I kind of, it it's hard for me to believe that that's Newland's point of view.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's, it's interesting. I think <laughs> this is a little off of where you went, but um, the kind of second half of my reaction to the movie as a whole was it took me because of that kind of jarringness of the editing. <clears and throat> I think it took me a while to get pulled in but I was eventually pulled in. I found the story, you know, I mean, obviously it is a frustrating story, but then also I found it like maybe a little redundant, like um, in some ways. So I was, I wasn't like, like on the edge of my seat engrossed, gross, but I did get into the movie. And so I was really surprised with myself uh, by the end of it, when he's with his son and they're out walking and he's kind of revealing, his son is revealing to him, you know, um, the countess is here, you know, you can go meet her. He says, uh, she never, uh, he says, I knew something like we knew we could trust you or mom knew we could, uh, could Mm -hmm. trust you with us because she once came to you and you you guys remember what I'm talking about. Like, it's basically the, the big thing at the end. Like, uh, he Mm -hmm. says something like she never asked me, like she, he, the son says, mom told me she came to you and asked you, to give up the thing you loved most for her and, and you did. Mm-hmm. And then his reaction is <clears throat> Daniel Day Lewis's reaction is she never asked me. <clears throat> and like mm-hmm. I was like I was into the movie, but then I was like so mad all of a sudden. And it really kind of mm-hmm. surprised me at my Absolutely. reaction. Absolutely. Um because it was like I was into it in the sense of like I thought I was interested in are these two going to get together. And then like he said that and I was like you you dumbass. <laughs> like um <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I realized I had maybe been into it in a different way. Like you were saying, I think I think both of you have said like you really come to like Winona Ryder's character so much more. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like when he says that, it's like the whole I don't know. There's a whole section of the movie where she's like, hey, are you sure? Like, it seems like you might love this other lady. Do you want to use that way? You're, you're hastening our marriage is because you're afraid that, you know, uh, you're actually in love with her. Yeah. And so Which it's like- is your
1: first clue that he's wrong about how he's presenting her, because she immediately clues in to, "Hey, are you trying to rush our marriage because you're afraid you won't go through with it if right. we don't do it right now? Because like I'm not really into that." Yeah, um, she's exactly right. And then his takeaway from that conversation, because she may or not be may or may not be wrong about who he's in love with, although it seems like she could be pretending there. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that she has no imagination. Like, oh, she can't imagine that I'd be. It's like, you're so wrong, bro. Right. Like, it, I think that's a fun part of the movie that there are these clues that, like, you know, Honorable Daniel Day Lewis is not as fucking smart as he thinks
2: he is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was very, like, that was like, like my, 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 honestly, my reaction to the movie surprised me. Um, as I had it and um, yeah so it's like I guess I want to rewatch it to see knowing what I know now with the perspective on him how it's a different how it would be a different movie for me um, but uh, but yes I found that very interesting you're I mean you're not expecting to basically be with this guy and more or less like we're saying in his head for the whole movie and then mm-hmm. suddenly I mean not suddenly I don't know it was sudden for me I think other people probably put it together before I did but you know, I think you're just used to a romantic movie where it's like you kind of want them to have some sort mm-hmm. of, you know, get together or something at the end. And uh, yeah, so it's just t- suddenly like at the end, I'm like, I don't like this guy at all. Like and obviously, like I love Daniel Day-Lewis. He is excellent in the movie. But yeah, the character is just like I this guy's got it all wrong. <laughs> but,
1: That's why yeah. like my favorite scene is the goodbye, the farewell party for Countess Olenska where She the scene where he's walking around and he's realizing that everyone he knows (laughs) has been not only talking about this (laughs) the whole time it's been going on, but actively manipulating him toward his wife and away from her. Yeah. Um that it's and there's a there's an odd mix of, you know, it's I, I guess I'm, I'm sad that this is happening to him, but there is a little bit of pleasure in the fact that someone who was so <laughs> absurdly certain that he was in control, like, wasn't at all, yeah. um, you know, thought, and thought of himself as outside, as, as outside of all this, or as an observer of it, as opposed to a cog in it, um, you know, I don't know. That's somewhat satisfying to me.
3: Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> um, like, to see what, him struck down that way.
2: That's such a weird thing in fiction. Like what, I have not read the book, but just for a film, what other, like what other books or movies have that sort of a uh premise or I don't know. Have, who,
1: that's who, what I mean. Yeah. Is I think, I think another thing to to celebrate about this movie, especially like in contrast, we recently watched the Scarlet Letter. Um yeah. <laughs> This is one to me one of the best adaptations of a novel I can think of. Okay, in that, especially at least the kind of novels I like, like you know, Edith Wharton is Austinian. It, you know, there's there I think there's quite a through line between the two of them. One tends to be far more t- t- tragic, I suppose, than the other. But that they are these the delight in them is these extremely close observation of human character. Um, and the climaxes of both the, those, you know, authors' novels are things that are decidedly uncinematic, un- you know? Yeah. It's like people passing a note to each other, and you know? It's like, and I think this movie does such a great job of just, and it's particularly the use of narration, it's also probably, I mean, I don't know if there is a better use of narration that I can think of, and, I, you know, I hate unnecessary narration yeah but the way that it gets us to understand yeah that this is a truly devastating realization without even showing us daniel day lewis's face yeah for the most part like we're just watching him walk through a room we're listening to joanne woodward a person who we don't even know who that is it's i mean maybe edith warden i don't know um tell us like like it's all it's the definition of like it's telling us and not showing us, and yet it is so, I think, effective
3: yeah, at the that's... kind
1: of, at what reading feels like, but like doing it in a movie. I feel and like Scorsese
0: is very good at that in general. Like, his mm-hmm. so many of his movies revolve around a uh, narration track.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and that's true. I feel like he always, it's it's always, you know, it's it's usually done in an interesting way. And like, but, you know, the movies that he, when he, when he uses, uh, you know, he, he, he leans heavily into... Like, the movies couldn't exist in any other way. Like, they absolutely need that at the heart of of their uh, storytelling.
1: But you were asking, Mike, if there's, like, other movies, what do you mean, that are so subtle in, like, that the climax is this, like, social shift or something?
2: Um, n- well, no. Not exactly. I guess what I meant more was, like... So, I don't know... It- I guess quickly at that party that you're talking about mm-hmm. where she's saying her farewell, that's right before the second scene by the fireplace where Winona Ryder, the, yes. in that scene, she tells him that she's pregnant and that she told her yes. to, okay. Um, I was, I was a little fuzzy because there's those two scenes by the fireplace and I think I kind of collapsed right. them on my memory. Um, So yeah, I guess it's like um, for me when I was watching it, it's like, you're putting together like, like other people know clearly Winona Ryder knows she's not clueless about it. But then I guess the thing that I was wondering, like at the end when you just realize like, Oh, he doesn't know like, yeah, like because we've been there with him and we've seen it all, but it's like, he still hasn't put it together. So I was like, not expecting to turn against my protagonist so mm-hmm. strongly in the final minutes of the film when yeah. I, what I was expecting was a little bit of satisfaction for these two, you know, Lovers who could never get together, kind of right. like, and it's just like all of a sudden, I was like, I really don't like, and I don't there's
1: know. nothing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I can't That's think the of the last any... time
1: they talk to each other is when, yeah. like, isn't the last thing she says to him? I love the line where he says, um, I'll, she says something like, I'll come, I wrote it down, I think. Yeah. Like, I'll come visit um, you.
2: And she's like, yeah. bring your wife or something.
1: Yes. What is it? Um, oh. I'll see you very soon in Paris. Oh, if you and May could come. Yes. That's what yeah.
3: she said. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess. And
1: that's like the last thing they say to each other. <laughs> uh,
0: do you do you get the sense that um that Ellen is also kind of working him a little bit throughout the movie? I'll,
3: that I'll who like, is? Ellen. Like
1: no.
0: Isn't that, that Madam or isn't that yeah? What I don't
1: I don't think so. I kind of
0: do. I feel like the way Michelle Pfeiffer plays the character, I mean, Denise and I were talking about this last night. She actually brought it up, and I was like, I think maybe there's something to that, because she's so... Like, there's no way she's not aware of her need to survive. Like, she is on the... Like, they, they mention in the movie that, like, oh, she could be destitute if she doesn't, you know, make a decision that's, uh you know, smart for herself. Um, so I kind of wonder if she's kind of working a few different, you know, working a few angles. Well, I just feel like- and
1: she does a really bad job.
0: Don't what do you mean? Worry. She gets her her freaking auntie to to pay for her independence. She gets to be, does isn't that how the movie ends? She goes back to Europe yeah, and lives I mean, an independent life?
1: Yes, but I think that she wanted to come, like, to me, like, she comes to New York not because it's the smartest thing to do but because she has this fantasy that people are nice there. Like I think she's just genuinely naive about like she's worldly in the sense that she, you know, is I I guess I trust the novel when it tells us that when she gets up and walks across a room and goes and sits next to another guy, she doesn't know <laughs> that that's like a radical thing to do in this society.
0: I just feel I that, think... like, because there's no, like, there's not really a satisfactory end to their mm-hmm. relationship, like, anything. Like, she doesn't write him a letter. She doesn't say, like, hey, this is what's going on, buddy. It's over.
1: Because his wife is pregnant. Yeah, I mean, I, I think
0: understand. That's... I understand. I just think it's, I think it's strange that there's no fin- finality to, like, I feel like if, if, if she were a 100% earnest person in... Uh, and her feelings for DDL, I feel like there has to be some sort of interaction. I feel like it's, it feels like she made a deal.
1: I think they both, I think, I think a deal was made for her and for both of them. I think May made the deal <laughs> and that's, that sealed both their fates. And she says to him earlier when he's like, he's, you know, saying, let's run away together or let's, you know, when she's like, no, you, ca- He says, and he says, like, I don't care what happens to him. And she's like, oh, yes, you do. And said, you know, that that that's the reason she loves him is because he is dutiful and cares, you know, about his wife and not destroying his family. (laughs) And. I think he can't be with her without. Destro- you know destroying his fantasy her fantasy of him and she can't be with him without destroying his fantasy of her
0: he he's also though you know she's summoning him especially in the first half of the movie before him and may are married she's summoning this dude all the time he's coming to her little fuck cabin he's coming to her he's also
1: sending her flowers every day i know when he goes to buy them for his wife, he also buys them for her.
0: But in a movie where the main character is an idiot, <laughs> and I just think I think that the the two the two women on, on either side of him are smart.
1: I so, mean, I think she's smarter than him probably, but I don't I don't see her as uh, I don't think manipulating she's
0: manipulating him. I don't think she's like a um like a a straight up schemer. I just I don't know. There's just something something about
2: it feels a little fishy to me. Personally,
1: I think if she were go ahead,
2: I was gonna say personally, I did not feel like I really had that much of a glimpse into Michelle Pfeiffer's character um, just from what we see of her, partially because we're so beholden to uh, Daniel Day Lewis's character's perspective, but then also just she's not I don't know. We I mean, we get like a few moments of them like, you know, yearning for each other together. But then like otherwise, she did she seemed kind of just not that invested like you know she's like kind of take it or leave it and happy enough to go back to europe and
1: i think um. she's got other well i don't think she was happy to go back to her husband because he was abusive
2: but she didn't go back Um, to him right wasn't she just when she goes back to europe at the end she's not going back no okay
1: i think i think that first of all she has a lot of shit going on she's got a lot more problems in her life than he does that's true um so she can't afford to be just singularly obsessed with him um i also think if she is after security and money she has m- multiple avenues of getting that just none that are worth her freedom so so i don't so i i see her as you know a person in a bad situation who's still who's who's unwilling to go back to an abusive philandering husband in order to make sure that she is considered respectable mm-hmm. and has money for the rest of her life. Um and there that means there are very few other avenues for her. And I think that That's you know why I think she's I holding also, out
0: for a better deal.
1: <laughs> a better deal than returning to getting yeah. beaten, I guess, sure. <laughs> But like, I certainly don't blame her for that.
2: No, I don't think she's a bad person. <laughs> I mean, they're all—they're all, they're all kind of scheming. It's that's yeah, that's, that's true. Way, that's I'll, just the nature
1: I of just, this society. I think she's yeah. like the least schemy character. I think you're probably uh, personally.
2: Right. I think Winona is seemingly the least schemy, but possibly the most—the most,
0: the most also yes.
2: the best at it.
1: <laughs> yes, but yes. she
0: also didn't want to scheme. I don't. I think
2: no. Well, I I don't know, because that was another I didn't feel like I really knew you come to know certain things that must have been on her mind. Mm -hmm. But I felt like, you know, really, the only character I felt like you get a lot of insight into is Daniel Day Lewis's. And so Mm -hmm. like with Winona and Pfeiffer, I think that I think the fact that she
0: gives him a way out. I mean, that that seems so pivotal. Yeah, true. But they're
1: both they are both just I think into an extent they're both just people for him to project his own fantasies onto. Yeah. Like we don't, he's our point of view character. We don't get to know them because he sucks. He's an idiot. Yeah.
3: He's, he's,
1: he, he, he is uninterested in knowing them. So
2: yeah. Yeah. And that's a very, I feel like that's also a very interesting thing that I Mm -hmm. haven't seen explored a lot in fiction. uh, And which maybe just means I need to read more, but um, movies and books, like I don't, I, I think that's actually another thing that was surprising about the movie is that that almost inherently fiction would have to build these images up. And, and then in my life, like I always had big crushes on ladies. And so it was like, the, I always mm-hmm. had this image. And now that I'm like middle age, it's like, I can look back and I can see maybe the lady I liked in middle school, like how that turned out and who she actually mm-hmm. was versus who my, my image of her was. But I feel like, uh, again, when I was kind of expecting like a, a historical romance type of movie, uh, mm-hmm. it's just so maybe as Scorsese, you might say it is so violently Ripley, not no. that at the end, Right. uh, that, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was, it was very cool, but it's also, it's just not satisfying. Like, it, so it's hard for me right. to be like, Oh, I loved the movie. Well,
1: they, you know, there's no, absolutely no consummation of the relationship at the center of the movie. And it's understandable. Right. The audience would also be left feeling unsatisfied. Right. By but that.
2: that's what. Probably like the more I think about it, that's what makes it special. And it does give me more admiration for it. But it's just like, you know, how do you pull that off and then still feel like make the audience feel like you've delivered? And it's like, I don't know if you can, but Mm -hmm. but if that's the point, (laughs) then you're just going to have to take a flop. I mean, Uh, I I think
1: I I think I feel that it, it, it narratively delivers because to me, really, the reason I mean, visually, it's a great movie. Performances are good. But the reason I love this movie is because of those two scenes the one of the party and then the one after, with Winona yeah. revealing everything. That to me, they are so effective that it does make it a satisfying story for yeah. me because that was the story. Um, yeah. Is the degree to which his life was a lie, you know, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, and he, he was in the midst of was it, concocted perhaps yeah that he is he is concocting this you know tragic romance that is in fact you know not within his control at all yeah um and not something you know and he's imagining himself to be making all these sacrifices for for honor and for his wife um and for her innocence and um he was just doing it because that's (laughs) what he wanted or that's what he was set in motion for him mm-hmm. um by this world and that's like a that's a horror movie and when <sighs> she rises from that chair beautiful beautiful winona Ryder in her gorgeous costume standing up in that chair as the most like monstrous like scary <laughs> thing to be I like didn't... it's it's really interesting
2: i wouldn't how, how do you how do you uh why, why, it's why would you shot say that? like
1: it's like it's her, like a horror movie to me when she really? when she rises, all those weird cuts of her rising and then towering over him, and then her immediately like sinking to her knees and performing, you know, feminine dutiful wife. It's oh, I, I find her very scary in that in that moment.
0: I think the satisfaction in the movie comes from I mean, even just this conversation being able to talk about it in any meaningful way. I mean. I think that gives it value like these characters are like we can we can debate who they are and um, there's enough nuance baked in to where, you know, there's it's open to interpretation. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's clearly like well crafted storytelling. It's just
2: frustrating. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching that scene again just with the sound off.
1: The sound is part of it though cuz her her like taffeta and her silks are all crunching. Yeah. Some one review described her as like a cobra unfurling its hood. I mean, I can see it. And there. I mean,
2: she is lit by the fire, and so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of shadow and all that kind of stuff. Cuz she is so pretty in this movie though. Yeah. Do you know how they made those crunching That's... noises, Kit? How? Martin Martin Scorsese was off
0: camera eating a bag of Doritos. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: Very innovative.
0: well i think that's
1: part of it i think that's part i remember the first time i watched this movie being like who the fuck would choose michelle pfeiffer over winona ryder but that's part i think of what makes him so like such a frustrating dude (laughs) (laughs) is it's like well especially because he's basically saying like that it's like look what you've got dude like this is look. i mean just superficially which is so important to this community right like Look what you've got. But then also when he's describing her or when the narrator is sort of describing his picture of her as this like kind of dumb, vacant super. And I don't know. I haven't read the novel. I don't know. Maybe she is more that way in the novel. But watching this movie, I feel like I feel like we kind of know from the beginning that she's smarter than he thinks she is. Mm. There are a lot of signs that she's more savvy and worldly than like, he thinks. Pri- and that he is less worldly and savvy than he thinks he is. Why a writer? Yeah.
0: Prior prior to him to her like giving him a way out of their relationship?
1: I think when they meet I mean, when they meet in the garden, that's a big that's a big moment of her I mean that's fairly that's before the halfway point in the movie. Oh, okay. I, I
0: thought maybe you said there were things before that even, and I'm curious.
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know that we necessarily I guess it's hard to say because I've now seen the movie several times. Yeah. But, and maybe it has to do with the casting of Winona Ryder. Like, Winona Ryder is not someone you cast if you want, like, a vacant, you Definitely. know, yeah, woman <laughs> in your movie. Like, we, th- I think we think of her as, like, intelligent, you know, a lot going on mm-hmm. kind of person to cast in your movie. Um. So, yeah, I just, I guess I don't buy <laughs> necessarily from the beginning that she's, that she's as innocent as he think as he's describing her, and there's and there's a you know I don't know it's 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 humorous it's funny but there is a cruelty in the way that he describes her um, sometimes like even at the end when he w- the end where it's kind of in a weird way like the redemption of Winona Ryder because at least it's it feels like Newland realizing like oh, she was a good wife, and I am glad that I've had this family with her. But he still says, um, this hard, bright, or the narrator says, this hard, bright blindness, her incapacity to recognize change, made her children conceal their views from her just as Archer concealed his. And there's a kind of like admiration for that quality in her, Um, but it's still sort of just, you know, and boy, do I know people like that. But (laughs) even... even like the, she does recognize change because she's working very hard to prevent it, you know, at certain pivotal moments in their lives.
2: Yeah, it was an interesting movie. I, uh, I don't have a ton of notes. Um, I have uh, some notes. Let's see. Really? I mean, my main note was I was just angry about the she never mm-hmm. asked me bit. Um, the Saul Bass title sequence. I didn't realize he was mm-hmm. working into the 90s. I thought that was interesting. Yeah,
1: we got Saul and Elaine Bass titles. We've oh. got Elmer Bernstein the, doing the music. And we've got uh, another Dante Ferretti picture. Yep, I, I
2: our didn't third. That. Is, is it our third <laughs> or fourth? Uh, Interview with yeah, yeah. Vampire, fourth. Meet Joe Black.
1: He did um, The Imaginary Life of Federico Fe- Fellini in 2021. He has a oh, movie yeah. called Stars and Scars in pre production.
3: Wow.
0: You know what, Dante, if you're listening to this, good job, buddy.
1: You're a true superstar. We love you. I mean, wow. What a filmography he's got.
2: What else, uh, what else would we like to say about Age of Innocence? Do we have any other um, notes?
1: Let me see here.
2: I guess we've been going for about an hour.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got some notes. Just okay. like kind of disparate mm-hmm. things. Um, oh, I liked the, the like choppy binocular view at the beginning of the movie. I thought that was cool, just like a weird looking, kind of hard to follow, but it it looked it looked cool. It looked like um looking through like a broken kaleidoscope or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the like. There's a lot of matte paintings um to like yes. establish places that I thought was really cool And they show that that house in the in the uh you know it's just like muddy undeveloped lots and then mm-hmm. one mansion. Um, I thought that was there's pretty. A- it's pretty cool. What's that?
1: The rear projection when they're in the carriage. In yes. Yes. Paris is very cool. That
0: was very cool. I liked that. Um, I liked when they show, I think, just like dudes walking down the street in New York, and they're all holding their hats. That was a cool yeah. shot.
3: Um, what else do I have? Um, oh,
0: Scorsese likes to play a cameraman. I thought that was fun. Yes. Yeah four seconds of seeing that dude stand behind a camera um oh i said that um jonathan price's accent wasn't like heavy enough for me to believe that Mm -hmm. he didn't know the word destroyed (laughs) (laughs) so that's my that's my probably biggest criticism of the entire movie
2: tough but fair yeah all right kit any more little stragglers anybody got any
1: yeah, let's see. Um I really like the line they all lived in a kind of hieroglyphic world. The real thing was never said or done or even thought, but only represented by a set of arbitrary signs. Oh, that's good. Um I liked how he when he gets his books and he's like not happy to receive his to receive his monthly shipment of books and it's and the narrator says the taste of the usual was like cinders in his mouth.
2: Good lord. Um this man. I like the
1: Iris. Yeah, go ahead.
2: That reminded me of a line from the simpsons which i (laughs) it's slightly different but it must pull from this or maybe that just was an expression (laughs) at the time but homer says something like i taste like ashes in my mouth and so i say Mm -hmm. that all the time but uh but (laughs) yeah can you imagine can you
0: imagine saying that if like when you got your monthly shipment of (laughs) blu-rays
3: no i can't (laughs) I would have to be. You guys should recreate them. You just like <laughs>
1: caressing your Blu-rays, but the, it bringing you. You're not getting hard at all. Um, <laughs> you're not getting hard.
3: Uh.
1: <laughs> um, the iris That's when right. you're at the opera <laughs> and all the sound goes away. Um, oh, that
0: was very cool. Yes, to them talking is super yep. cool. Very cool. I love. I love an iris. Um, yeah, I thought that was awesome. There was several like lighting changes that turned
2: into like transitions mm-hmm. to other scenes that were really cool um yeah. like uh when he's reading the letter too it goes all kind of dark except yes. around his eyes that was cool mm-hmm. definitely
0: yeah. there were moments in this that i was like kind of reminded of a uh, bram stoker's dracula um totally. yeah that's true yeah it's a very there's they're... all these
1: old movie techniques in them
0: mhm yeah and it's and so much stuff just feels like built in camera which is fun
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah i wanted more of that to be honest Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. A lot of very cool creative flourishes.
1: Um, since this is part of like our opera triple, mm-hmm. I think that the way that I mean in the opera that they keep seeing is Faust. Um okay. and the way that you know, there's the there's the play that they go see that has like a farewell scene that then he kind of goes and enacts or tries to enact <laughs> with Alenska. And I, my favorite line, or maybe the most important line, in that final party scene is mm-hmm. when the narrator says, uh, From the seamless performance of this ritual, Archer knew that New York believed him to be Madame Olensky's lover. Um, and just the idea that the thing that is letting him know that everyone knows is how perfectly they're not acknowledging it or talking about it how very much they're pretending like nothing's wrong and it's weird because i do think we can all relate to that (laughs) on some level like yeah definitely times when it's like people are being too normal what's going on um um let's see Uh, Oh, it also, so there was the line, um, the transition from Winona telling him that he's pregnant. I mean, the movie really gets, it like, moves forward from there to the ending. Um, And there's the line, uh, it was the room in which most of the real things in his life had happened. And then it's shooting the room. And at that moment, I was really reminded of Moonstruck, the way that that house is, like, so important to the story. Um, Obviously, there's a a very different, (laughs) like, you know... I don't know, valence to like family and romance in that movie versus this one. But at that moment, the house takes on a little bit of a like warmer feeling, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And I don't know. It's interesting to me, like as someone who's like interested in interior design and like homes and stuff, uh, how (laughs) what's the things that are in a room relate to the stuff that happens in the room and like the memories that happen there um it was sort of it's to me it's the movie is not like purely judgmental of the stuff you know (laughs) um the stuff has many meetings meanings um oh I thought it was funny I, I thought the old makeup was fine but we know how DDL looks at age 64 in real life now. And it's not nearly as old as he looks at 57 in this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's interesting to me. I was thinking about him last night and, and how, you know, he's cultivated such a, I feel like a different, I guess I don't know what people thought of him in 1993. I mean, I think everybody knew Daniel Day Lewis was one of the greatest living actors, but like, Was he, like, the greatest... You know, I feel like it was when he left and came back for Gangs of New York that everybody was like, oh, this is the greatest actor who ever lived or whatever the fuck. Uh, But I just think it's... it's I don't know. I was just thinking about, like, watching this performance versus his last performance, which was Phantom Thread. And, you know, they're two period pieces. And there's... obviously very different characters. um, But it's just... I just feel like... He's so much more. <laughs> I don't know how else to put this, actory. You know, like I mean, honestly, all I feel like all Paul Thomas Anderson's movies are kind of like that, where actors are just doing the most. You know what I yeah. mean? Just like they're so, they're such like kind of huge characters in a way. You know, even just like when you think about like The Master, you think about what the way Joaquin Phoenix is in that movie. You know, when he's standing on the beach. He's got to be standing weirdly with his arms, you know what I mean? Or like, uh, you know, the anyway, I was just I was just thinking about like this performance versus something like Phantom Thread or There Will Be Blood or even Gangs of New York where it's like those are just such huge characters. And it feels like it's just funny to see him do like a movie where it's like, oh, this is just my next project, not every project is his last project, you know? Yeah. So it's gotta be like the most incredible thing ever. No, no grand point here. It's just, it's, you know, I have seen most of his movies. I mean, I think he's great in this and last of the Mohicans. And, um, Oh, what's the one, um, the one with Peter Postwaite, uh, in the, in the name of the father, the okay. where they're both. Have you seen that?
2: I have not seen that one. No. Oh,
0: excellent. Excellent movie. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's just, like, it's the the two halves of his career are very interesting to me. Because I feel like there's a very common through line with all of the characters after he first retired. Yeah. You know? Where it's it's just, like, clearly he is in complete control. Because he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And everybody else wants him to do it. Yeah. So he's not, like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And that's what... That's what Paul Thomas Anderson wants of him. That's what Martin Scorsese wants of him. Yeah. So it works out for everybody. But I just feel like. This is such a different type of performance for me.
2: Yeah. That's all. Although now that you mentioned Phantom Thread, there are. Some parallels, I feel like, between that, at least that story, maybe not so much that character Uh, and and uh, Age of Innocence, just. In oh, terms sure. Of how she no, I... kind of she gets him <laughs>
0: Yes, no, you're right. That's a uh, good yeah. point. That's a really good point. I was <laughs> thinking like, oh man, we should, I want to, I would love to rope that into a triple because I think, I don't think Kit's seen it
2: or maybe she oh, has. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would be interested to talk about that one. I don't think I liked it that much. I mean, like, you know, I saw it. I did not like, you know, it wasn't like one of my, I, I know some people talked about it, like they were just totally blown away. It was such a great movie. And like, I just, I don't know. I, I see. I, like I feel to see like it it's again. the other. Like I feel like it's,
0: it. I feel like it's the opposite. I think it's, I think less people liked that. I think more people liked it than they liked. than than liked inherent vice. Okay. But I still feel like phantom thread is like, not what his usual response to things. usually Okay. Is. I loved yeah. it. I think it's one of his best movies. Um, okay. I think you should. And I think you should watch it again. I mean, I'm sure you will at some point in your life. Yeah. I'd
2: like to, uh, where do you land on inherent vice? I did not
0: like it. You didn't like it. OK, I did not like it. I did not read the book. Um, I don't think I'd ever smoked pot when I saw the movie. <laughs> yeah. I well, I mean, it is kind of a stoner movie. And, yeah. you know, now I use marijuana to sleep, you know, four nights of the week. So I feel like I get it a little more. OK. You know, so. um, Yeah, I've thought about like. I should watch this again. I will. I will watch it again.
2: So, but I think you should watch it again, if only because the first time I saw it, I really did not like it, and I kind of was bothered by it. Like I was like, this feels like this movie is trying to be something that it's just it's not working for me. Um, It's kind of Altmany. It is, yeah. I mean, it's a lot like like maybe The Long Goodbye or. um, But the Long Goodbye
0: gets somewhere very satisfying. I think.
2: Yeah. See, okay, but that's the thing, though. I think *Inherent Vice*. The second time I watched it, uh, it was like something about it just kind of clicked with me, and I actually really wound up liking it. And I watched okay. it a couple more times, like in pretty quick succession, which I don't usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's worth a rewatch because it at least it struck me very differently the second time around, and I couldn't exactly put my finger on why. Uh, although the first time, when I saw it the first time, I saw it in theaters, and there was an old lady who was just baffled by the movie and kept very loudly just saying things <laughs> like what's happening. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Just like, well, why would he do that? Well, that guy's goofy or like, and oh then, uh, God. you know, the scene with, nightmare. uh, Catherine, is it Catherine Watterson? Um, uh, yeah, she's in it. Okay. So she gets naked and the lady said, her.
0: what's that? Is it the spanking scene?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. scene where they're, yeah. So she's naked. And the, <laughs> then the lady that was in the theater goes, um, She's like, her nipples look like pepperonis. <laughs> so,
0: All right. That, that, that lady, my... she's, she's, no, nah, she's back. That lady, yeah. you know, she was on her way out, but she's back in for me.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it I definitely think... was not the best circumstances under which to see the movie the first time. But for sure. And I
0: do, I do think there's a common thing that's happened with PTA with his last several movies, which is that. I feel like everybody, everybody expects whatever he's doing next, at least when the first trailer drops to be like the best movie ever made. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of disappointment when people see his movies. Like, I think generally they're all well regarded by, you know, the majority. Um, But I think that there's, there's also just, it's like when Japanese people go to Paris or watch Avatar, you know? (laughs) and it's like it's not quite as great as they thought it would be <laughs> um so i kind of wonder if if um you know his movies just because i mean he the dude made part 8 boogie nights and and then Mag- magnolia was such a like so such a big art film like yeah. it's like it's amazing to think about how big that movie was when it came out um and then yeah i feel like like i remember the first trailer for the master coming out and just like oh, my God, this is going to be incredible. And then I remember seeing it in the theater and liking it, but not really getting it. And then I watched it like four or five years later and it knocked my socks off. Yeah. And, and Phantom Thread was kind of the same way where I saw it and I did like it, but it was the second viewing that I loved it.
2: OK, well, yeah, I'll have to rewatch it sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. All right. So do we want to do a cruise minute or should we hop over that tonight? No, we got to do it. Okay, we'll do a cruise minute, and then we will ski-daddle. Hang on, I'm
0: going to look it up. up Tom Cruise
1: would have been good in this, I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think he could have been I thought
1: I thought DDL was really good. I thought he was great, but Tom Cruise could have played this too. And he's never done a Scorsese, has he?
0: Yes, he has. What are you talking about? Color of money.
1: What am I? Oh, yeah. Wait.
0: Why do you say, oh, yeah, like it's gross? That's interesting that they didn't work together again.
1: Nobody really thinks of that. No, yeah,
0: they I don't, don't because think it's a it. sequel. It's a sequel. It's a belated sequel yeah. to The Hustler. I've been like, for since almost the beginning of this podcast, trying I've been trying to, try to, to figure paint. out a way to do The Hustler <laughs> and The Color of Money and something else. Um, when you Google Tom Cruise, do you know how like images will show up at the top of the search? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's five images of Tom Cruise and one image of Will Smith.
1: Oh yeah, which is funny.
3: <laughs>
0: Um, what is this? Oh, I've uh, got a headline. Oh boy, we got a headline. Tom Cruise's transformation continues to stun us all. Let's see what that's all about. Let's see if you can share. It's gonna be about his
1: puffy face.
0: Oh, it's all about his puffy face.
1: Okay, we've already covered that. Man, we are
0: we really scoop these fuckers.
2: Puffgate 2021, old news. No,
0: he looks he looks friggin' great. Dude looks. Dude looks legit. All right. all anyway, yeah, when you year.
1: scroll down and you see the pictures of him with the plane, he looks yeah, totally he looks fine.
0: Good. Yeah, I know. He still got it, guys. That's the, that's the news for today. Is that, <laughs> he's, is that our man still got it. More news as it breaks. That's right, or until he kills himself. <laughs> yeah, Jumping off a plane.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. It's been a lovely evening. I think we all had a really nice time. I know I did. Please join us <laughs> yeah.
0: next week for... Oh, Mike, you got to tell us we're we'll going to watch next week.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I almost forgot. Yeah. Please join us next week for, um, fuck, it's Phantom of the Opera week. That's like, that's the reason for the season. That's what it we've is, been waiting yeah. for yeah, that's for the, That's
1: the one I've been trying to watch since the beginning of the <laughs> and podcast. And it
2: is the, who is it that directed it? Schumacher. 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 Yeah. Okay. I didn't want to say that because I was like, wait, well, he's the Batman guy, but yeah, he is also the Phantom yeah. guy. It very sure cool. is.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: All right. And so that will be. You can tell. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Batman Forever <laughs> is pretty good. No, it's not. Ba- yes, it is. Batman <laughs> no, and Robin is very bad. No, it, so people think no. Batman, forever, Batman forever, is forever
1: is not pretty good. It is. But Jim Carrey's in it.
2: Jim Carrey's very good in it. Nicole Kidman is very good in it.
1: Jim Carrey's great in
2: it. It looks good. It's like a very good midpoint between the garish neon of Batman and Robin and the beautiful art deco of Tim Burton's Batman. I will Turns.
1: agree with I it's, will agree with you that it is way way better than Batman and Robin yes. But it still sucks no but Jim Carrey's no, great it,
0: it's, it's good he keeps throwing his finger up like you're forgetting to say something kid like you forgot <laughs> no no you it's, just you've forgotten that it's actually good you should watch it again it's very good I watched it last year and I, I was I impressed. watched
1: it not that <laughs> I, I watched it last year as well Michael <laughs>
2: If you had a
0: long name, I, than sent Kit. You,
1: I sent you guys the worst edits in movie oh, history. Oh, the, the from tiny that diamond movie. that
0: becomes the big diamond? Yeah. <laughs> I actually think that I've thought about that cut a lot. I and know. I think, I now think it was intentional.
3: There you go. <sighs> still this bad, is though. why I raised my finger.
2: Of course, Susan. It's still bad. There, I'll use your long name. All right. <laughs> um, slow motion triple feature was recorded in the amazing Technicolor Flower Shop. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com.